You are listening to The Backyard Millionaire. How to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story. Oh, man, where can you become a millionaire in America? Where? Right here, right there, right in your own backyard. Today on the broadcast, should you be investing in commercial real estate? Plus, does the economy even matter? Live like you're selling, because one day you will be. Plus, a high school senior asked me a question. I'm going to answer it right here, and it'll blow your mind. What a great time to be alive. What a great time to be alive in America. Thank you for being here. We have a very exciting broadcast for you today. You can go to my website anytime you'd like and download podcasts of the episodes at ilovehomeralaska.com. ilovehomeralaska.com. It's time now for the Six Pack Millionaire. You heard of this thing, the eight minute abs? Yeah, sure, eight minute abs. Yeah, the uh, exercise video. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, this is going to blow that right out of the water. Listen to this seven minute abs. <laughs> no, this is the wrong kind of six pack. Nope, needn't have a six pack to become a millionaire, thank goodness. Unless you want one. No, I'm talking about a different kind of six pack. I'm talking about, well, think about it like this Gilligan's Island right? Small fishing vessel on a three-hour tour. I'm talking about a six-pack boat. And I actually, I want to share a story that happened during an economic downturn. I don't know if you're noticing. I am noticing a lot of, across a lot of spaces, across the internet and other sources of media, there's a lot of discussion about the economic downturn. And if you're tuned into that, you know what I'm talking about. So I want to share a story with you about a fisherman who, during a previous economic downturn, bought five condominiums. Not one, not two. He didn't even settle at four. He purchased five condominiums. Now, he used the cash he had on hand, and he told me it's all the cash he had on hand. It was everything he could put together to put as down payments. He did not pay cash for the condos. Again, this is during an economic downturn. And just this is what becoming a backyard millionaire is all about, is facing the winds of a storm like this and saying yes anyway. So he took the cash, spread it across five condominiums. Again, could have bought two probably outright with that same cash and been very comfortable. It would have been very safe. It would have been just a not a terrible solution. These are two-bedroom, one-bath condominiums. People were looking for housing in an economic downturn. Everybody still needs a roof over their head, place to live. So he would have been completely protected with just two. Instead, he bought five. These were nice condominiums. Nothing special. We're not talking about palm trees and pools. We're talking about basic 
living, basic condominiums. He paid roughly, it was $25,000, $28,000 at the most. So it was, we could call it an average of $26,000 he paid for each condominium. Now, when he retired, he held those. The tenants paid down all of the remaining debt. So his entire investment was the amount of the down payment for each unit over the course of 18 months. It took him 18 months to invest in all five. Over the course of that time, he put all the cash he had available on hand into those units as down payments. Now, tenants paid everything else off. Everything, including the condominium dues, the association dues and fees, and all the utilities, etc. It was all on them. When he retired and decided to hang up his rod and reel and no longer be a charter fisherman, he was able to sell all five. And I'm here to tell you, his investments, this is not inclusive of his home or any other instruments that he may have had. Just these five condominiums, he walked away with $1.25 million after 28 years of holding on to those units. And that's not to mention the hundreds of thousands of dollars he made in rents over that time. Yes, that is becoming a six-pack millionaire. I just saw an advertisement for a man who turned 60 and decided it was time to, he weighed 300 and some odd pounds at 60 and decided to get into shape. And he had the body, he looked like Lou Ferrigno. He looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. I just don't buy it. I don't think he went from couch to that. In, uh, I, I could be wrong, but of course, guess what? He's selling some sort of a program. So I'm, of course, suspicious of that. Uh, I've got 10 years to go. So I guess that's kind of the other way I could look at that. What's the point? I just turned 50. What's the point? I'll wait till I'm 60. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Should you be investing in commercial property? Well, the richest of the rich are. This, according to Bloomberg, that's right. World's rich take advantage of a trillion dollar property market as it craters. They're talking about the commercial market. Wealthy investors, according to Bloomberg, wealthy investors were the most active buyers of commercial property in 2022, a new report finds. So if you asked me, and this is just you and me talking, if you'd asked me or would ask me, should you be investing in commercial properties? What should your portfolio be looking like? What should be your ratio between residential and commercial property? I will tell you something that is completely useless because <laughs> here's what I'm going to tell you. Well, the perfect balance is like your own fingerprint. It's unique to you and it's unique to where you are and what you've got. It's unique to your market. So there isn't in my experience, in my professional opinion, we're doing this for over 25 years and I'm telling you there is not a balanced portfolio that is right for all. It doesn't, not one size fits all. It doesn't exist. The reality is it depends upon you. So I'm going to give you an example. This is just our portfolio, Tiffany and I. Our portfolio looks a little different post-2020 because a very sweet opportunity presented itself to Tiffany and me. So it's five commercial buildings, two acres of commercial land, and 100 storage units presented itself. Wasn't 100% us looking. It found us and it changed a little bit of our portfolio. Of course, it was a really good investment. The terms were right. The price was right. Everything about it was right. Now, I said this was in 2020. 
This occurred in March of 20, actually February, I think is when we actually put the deal together. Come March, both sides, us and the seller decided to put the brakes on everything, just pause it just a minute as the world stopped turning on its axis for a moment, if you'll recall. And then we moved forward shortly thereafter. By May, it was all done. But I'm telling you, it's balanced based upon opportunity. It's based upon your own predilection. It's based upon your preferences, to put it another way. And no matter what happens with the economy, I can tell you one thing for sure. Everybody's going to need a place to live. So if that means anything to you, you're probably going to lean towards residential heavy and commercial as opportunity avails. The terms have to be right for commercial. I mean, look, I did a presentation yesterday and I told the group, don't fall in love with the deal, fall in love with, excuse me, don't fall in love with the property, fall in love with the deal. Just the reverse of that. Just do, do the opposite of what I just said. So fall in love with the transaction. The deal has to be right. And that's both residential and commercial. But I wouldn't worry so much about whether or not you're balanced like the, quote, rich that are taking advantage of the trillion-dollar property market as it craters in commercial sector. That's another indicator. For example, we're watching on HBO. Are you watching The Last of Us? It's an interesting series based on a video game. It's, I've never played the video game, but it's an interesting premise that the world basically comes to an end for most of humanity because of a fungal infection. Spoiler alert. And in one particular episode, they go into a mall, into an abandoned, obviously derelict, dead shopping mall. And you just see the uselessness of that commercial property. But everybody still that's alive anyway still needs a place to live, but they're not living in the mall. Not that you're going to take from anything on HBO for investment advice, but I, I, I do suggest, though, that you, you look at your portfolio and say, look, I'm going to balance this out. As opportunity avails, I'll definitely look at commercial. It's not something I'm going to shy away from. That's for sure. Your greatest asset. I want to talk to you about your greatest asset. What do you think? If you were to do a balance sheet and you were to put your assets and your liabilities two different columns, you tally everything up. What would you rank amongst your assets as your greatest asset? What would you say is, this is my greatest asset? Of this, I'm sure. What would it be? It's your mind. Your mind, your creativity, these are your greatest assets. They should be on your balance sheet. But neither one do appear there. The banker, your banker, nobody's ever going to measure that. But you and I both know regardless of, irrespective to the 24-hour news cycle, whatever's happening, we know that the asset that you are growing between your ears is the best thing you've got going. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk about whether the economy matters or not, and I'm going to answer a question for a high school senior right here on The Backyard Millionaire. listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story, along with Mr. David Webb, the Eagle Engineering, producing the program today. 
Daniel Gilbert, Harvard psychologist, said our imagination has a hard time telling us how we will think about the future when we get there. That's an interesting thought. How will we think about the future when we get there? How are you thinking today? Well, it's pretty much how you're going to think when you get there. It's a little bit like they say, if you're not generous with a dollar, if you can't be generous, let's be more realistic. If you can't be generous with $100 or $1,000, out of a $10,000 boon or whatever it is, pick a number. If you can't be generous from it, you'll not be generous when you have a million. It's, it's the same thing I believe with thinking. How you think today should inform how you can imagine what you're going to think about into the future. And if you're, if you're miserable today in your job, if you're miserable today in whatever it is you're doing and the relationships you've got, pretty much that's what your future is going to look like. And that's the beauty of this life is that you get to determine right now today, you can change in an instant. I told you I, I did a presentation yesterday and I told the group, by the time, and this is a young group of people, by the way, students. And I said, by the time you leave this room, my goal, my mission, my number one mission today is that when you leave this room, you'll be an investor. And that's about your mindset. It's about changing your mind, change your thoughts, change your world. That can happen in an instant. In fact, it's the only time change can happen is in this instant. And then you just repeat it. Does the economy even matter what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought wait everyone in this room is now dumber <laughs> for having listened to it what? i award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. I simply asked a question. Does the economy even matter? So hear me out. The economy doesn't matter. Your economy matters. Yes, obviously you need to pay attention to what's happening globally, nationwide, statewide. Obviously it matters because it's going to influence your economy. But it doesn't determine your economy. Your economy is determined by you and how you react to what's going on, period. That's it. It is completely up to you. How you're going to react to the economy at large is going to make a big difference in your world. So again, I want you to know what's happening in your state. I want you to know what's happening in your, your local government. Pay attention because it is going to have way more impact than what's happening coast to coast. However, you do need to pay attention to that. But I think sometimes it's a bit of an excuse with the state of the economy to wait and see, wait it out. And then maybe it's too late or you've missed big opportunities. So what you do, where you are with what you've got is going to determine your wealth, the outcome of your health, your wealth, your life, your mindset, your outlook on the world, all of it is directly affected by you where you are. Yes, influenced by the greater economy, but your future and your future fortune is determined by what you do right now with your own economy. It makes way, way big of a difference. I told you I, I had a really good time yesterday talking with, with uh, a couple of high schoolers and it was actually a large group of junior high students. 
as it turns out, grade school and junior high students. And I love talking to young people about wealth creation because I do not believe that it is too early ever in your life to start thinking about these things. Where does wealth come from? How do you create wealth? Who can create wealth? Does it matter what county, what state, what borough you live in? Does it matter? What city, what town, what family you come from? Silver spoon, golden spoon, diamond plated spoon, grills. I would love to have a diamond grill, by the way. Actually, how would you eat corn on the cob? Could you eat corn on the cob with a diamond grill? I don't even know if that's possible. Here's a question from a high school, a very astute high school student. Chris, when should I start investing in real estate? And my answer, you can guess what my answer was. You know what my answer was. Right now. Right now, this minute, this is the time to start investing in real estate. And you do it four ways. Number one, you invest in a library. This is your education. Library stands for, is, is, a, is a placeholder for education, books, the good magazines that are going to be influential and build your knowledge, books and magazines that are going to grow you as an investor, grow your thinking, expand your mindset, invest in your library. That's the first step towards investing. And you could do that right now, no matter who you are, where you are, what you've got. Number two is investing in relationships. Having relationships that will open doors, having relationships that will open your mind and expand your opportunity is everything. That is, is absolutely fundamental. I don't care whether you're at the billionaire status, deca millionaire, beginning of a backyard millionaire, or 10,000 heir. Having relationships is at the heart of wealth of any size or scale. Thirdly, get pre-qualified with a mortgage lender. And that ties very directly to relationship because that's a person you need to have a relationship with. But not just the relationship. You'll get from that pre-qualification process, even as a young 18-year-old or as a, as a person that is maybe, maybe you're 28 and you've never even thought about getting a mortgage. Maybe you're 58, 68. Maybe you're somewhere in between. And you just don't know what this looks like, what the process is. Or maybe you had a bankruptcy or some sort of a reversal, a financial reversal in the last number of years, and you don't know what do you qualify for. Maybe you don't even know your credit. A lot of us don't. If it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't, A, have good credit, number one. Number two, I wouldn't know what it was. But it's important to have relationships with people that can help you monitor these situations and set up a future that is bright. In other words, you might hear not yet, and my, my stance is always, if you go to a mortgage broker and they just say, no, next, you got to move on. Don't, don't stick around. They're not for you. They don't know how to help you. That's all. You want to go to a mortgage lender who's been recommended to you and who's going to help you build a plan, even if it's not yet. Because the answer might very well be not yet. But that's okay because that means you have a plan. That's like the 60-year-old guy with the great abs. He's got, you know, maybe it's, maybe there's a plan that he could help me get there, but I'd have to employ that plan. Just like your wealth plan needs to involve a mortgage lender and a pre-qualification, which leads to step four, playing the credit game. Not just playing the credit game, but playing the credit game to win. There's risk with credit, of course, especially if you don't play to win. If you're just playing the credit game and you go and you put a cheeseburger or a vacation or a Christmas gift on a credit card at some 18, 20, 
interest, that's going to get real expensive and you're playing the credit game to lose. You got to play the credit game to win. You do not put things like that on credit. A lot of people, if you, if you listen to, there, there's a great podcast called How I Built This. And there's a lot of things behind the brand. There's other different kinds of programs where people will talk about and they'll interview, you know, sort of icons of business. People that have created uh, Tate's Cookies, for example, and people like that. And maybe at some point in their story, you'll hear, I maxed out my credit cards. That's a big gamble. That's like taking your inheritance and going to Las Vegas and seeing if you can run it up. That's a huge gamble. Sometimes it pays. But the odds are ever in the favor of the house winning, not you. But you, people do it. But that's not playing the credit game to win. I want to tell you a story about a real-life backyard millionaire that I met. I had the pleasure of meeting some 18 years ago. And he started when he was a young man just out of high school. He had made for several years in a row pretty good money doing two things, mowing lawns and painting houses in the summer times. And he took that money, that little bit of capital he was able to save, and he bought a home. And the beauty of what he did was he actually bought a home from somebody who wanted to hold the paper. They wanted to finance him. They wanted to be the bank. Owner financing is an incredible way for young people, for anybody really, for you to expand your portfolio. And we'll talk in greater detail about it, but just know this guy had a, a little bit of capital. He was living in California. He bought a house and he lived in it for almost a year, making payments to the, to the seller, the, home, the previous homeowner. And then he re refinanced it because he learned that while he had been sleeping, while he'd been living, his house had actually been working and redoubling itself in value. And he went and he borrowed against it and he took out enough equity to buy two more homes. And from each of those homes, he took out more equity and bought more. By the time I'd met him, probably 40 years into his career, maybe 45 years into his career, he owned hundreds of homes, well over 1,000 apartment units, and many commercial properties. So when should you start? Right now. Chris Story, and you're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. We've got your millionaire word and what's in your library when we return right here to The Backyard Millionaire. Are you celebrating the milestones of your life? often enough. You know, little things can slip right by you. And if you're not celebrating, you're not taking time to give yourself a high five or those around you, you're missing out. Celebrate milestones because they really do matter. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire. I'm Christopher Story along with Mr. David Webb. Thank you for being here. In just a moment, we've got your million dollar word, what's in your library. And I want to talk about a winning lottery ticket that I threw away very unfortunate circumstance, and I feel like I can share it with you. 
I feel like I feel like you and I are in the trust tree. I think it's I think you're, this is a safe space, right? But first, let's talk about living like you're selling because one day you will. You hear from some financial experts that you should never consider your home an investment. It's not an asset. Your home isn't an asset. It's not you shouldn't go in that column. There's a lot of people that I respect that say that. But here's the caveat I would offer to counter that. I would say your personal home, the home with which you live in, can be an investment. You can move it from a liability, which technically it is, but you can move it over into the asset column by living like you're selling. In other words, you're adding value. You're, you're not just passively living in the property. You're actually actively adding value, preferably sweat equity, because then you're, you really are improving upon that investment. You're not just renting it from the mortgage company. You're not just living there. We had to live somewhere. Yes, but you, you can add value constantly, in which case you are actually creating not just an asset, but guess what? In many cases, a tax-free asset if it's your primary residence. So I'm, I'm a big fan of living like you're selling. And the best way to get started, and what I mean by living like you're selling is pretend with your residence, me or some other realtor is going to call you in about two hours. And that call is going to go a little something like this. Hey, Craig, I've got some cash buyers in from out of town. We're going to be at your house tomorrow morning about between 10 and 11 o'clock. Okay. Uh-oh. A million things just went through your mind that need to be done. There's little things, of course, tidying up. Oh, how did I leave the kitchen? Have you done the dishes? No, not talking about those little things. Not talking about making the bed. Not talking about vacuuming or running a, running a Swiffer mop. I'm talking about the bigger projects that are in the back of your mind. The things that you wondered about. Hmm, haven't been in the crawl space in about eight years. Hmm, I wonder what's down there. Or I know that the paint has been peeling. I know that the whatever, you know, there's a list of things. So the easiest way to get started, to live like you're selling, right now where you are with what you've got, turn your home into an asset by having a home inspection and then tackling everything on that list. Everything that comes up is an issue. And there will be, I promise you, I don't care how old your home is or new, I should say, I don't care, you're going to find things on that list that are deficiencies, then you didn't know it. Some things you know, but there's going to be others that you didn't know. And so this is your availability to tackle these things on your time, your terms, and I promise you, it's going to save you money in the long run because when you do go to sell, it'll cost you a lot more to tackle it then. Plus, you get to enjoy it along the way. Don't wait until you go to sell. Live like you're selling and you turn your home into an asset. One of the biggest assets that you've got, we talked about your mindset, but what about your vocabulary? Today's million dollar word, well, it's gonna improve your life in a lot of ways and it's fun to say. All right, today's million dollar word, because my goal is that you, that you and I, as we come together and we have these conversations, that, we, that we're learning a little something, something aside from just investing, 
And if we invest in our vocabulary, besides investing in real estate, if we invest in our vocabulary, you can't help but win and impress people, especially at parties. And I want you to use this next cocktail party you go to, next engagement, next, next time you're on the phone with a cousin or somebody you haven't spoken to in a little while, I want you to drop this word. It's a 17th century Latin word, of Latin origin anyway, and it's nugatory. Oh. <laughs> no, and I'm not talking about chocolate. No, you, the, the word doesn't apply when you say, hey, this Snickers is uh, you know, really good nugatory today. Nope, nugatory spelled N-U-G-A-T-O-R-Y, nugatory. It means of no value or importance, useless or futile, nugatory. Use it in a sentence, here we go. You ready for this? Let me see if I can use it in a sense. The negative news from Nantucket is nugatory in regards to your portfolio in Nebraska. Nugatory. Welcome to Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? If I had a million dollars, if I had a million dollars, well, I'd buy you a house. I would buy you a house. And if I had a million dollars, if I Well, I had a half a million dollar lottery ticket and I threw it away. You heard about the guy in Michigan who had forgotten about his million dollar winning lottery ticket that was in his coat pocket and his wife found it. Near murder. Not quite. I was going to make a, a wood chipper reference, but that's more of a Dakota thing. I don't know that they do that in Michigan, but nevertheless, um, he nearly lost the opportunity to cash in on that million-dollar lottery ticket. Well, I'm here to tell you I threw away a half-million-dollar winning lottery ticket in 2001. So have you ever thrown away a winning lottery ticket? If you answered yes, then you know exactly how Tiffany and I felt when we sold our first property. Now, I think you need to know that we did sell that first property at the top of the market. We told it, well, we sold it at the top of the price range in that market, in that moment. In fact, I'll tell you this, we got more, more money. We sold it for more money than we were told by leading experts of the day that we'd get. People that knew a lot more than me in the moment said, no, no, you'll never get that. And I said, but that's what I want, which is an interesting thing to say. And when you don't know no better, it can work sometimes. I said, no, this is what I want. This is to sell it. This is, it's worth it to me to get this. This is what I want. And we ended up getting it. But still, as I share this story with you, I don't know if you can hear, but there's a little bit of a pain in the pit of my stomach. I'm smiling, but there's a pain right here in the pit of my stomach. It's more of a grin than a smile. Because, okay, yeah, we sold for more than what we were told, blah, blah, blah. But this conversation I had with the buyer, so we didn't think we could own it. We didn't think we could own both the home we'd moved into and the one we'd moved out of. So we decided to sell it. And again, did well. We took a nice, handsome profit, tax-free. It was great, wonderful. However, I made the mistake of asking the buyer this question. Hey, what you gonna do with the place? And that's about how I recall it sounding. It was just that naive, hi. And he said, well, we're going to rent it to a state agency. And oh, by the way, for more than double what your current payment is, 
And oh, by the way, this lease will remain in place for more than 20 years with almost zero maintenance or upgrades required. He didn't actually say those things, but he did say, yeah, we're going to lease it. We've already leased it to the state. When can you move out? And when I asked what the rent was, he said the number was just more than double what we were paying in a mortgage payment. So I, without shame, tell you that we lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in rent over these past 20-something years. Hundreds of thousands plus hundreds of thousands of equity gone. So yes, the deed truly is, the deed, the property deed, the transfer deed really is the real lottery ticket in life. If you've read my book, The Backyard Millionaire, by the way, you can find that book in audio or paperback or hardcover on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. The Backyard Millionaire, How to Create Wealth Where You Are with What You've Got. I took that book and created a guide from it, from the premise of the book. It's a story, by the way. The Backyard Millionaire is a novelization of this philosophy, and, and it's a bit of my and Tiffany's story woven into, woven into this fictional story. It's a very good read. Can I say this? It's an excellent book. You should grab it. But I want to give you something for free. Whether you buy The Backyard Millionaire online or not, you should. But I want to give you a copy of The Millionaire Maker, Six Practical Steps to Your First Four Homes, absolutely free. It's a PDF. No obligation. It's a really terrific little read. It's about a 35-page guide, and I can guarantee you money back. It will help you create wealth. Just text the word MILLIONAIRE at 907-299-7653. Text the word MILLIONAIRE at 299-7653, and I'll send it to you right now. foreign buyers. Plus, do you own a home in Seattle? You'll want to hear this. You know what else is back? Scams, big time. And I uh, back is probably the wrong word. But scams are making their way to small corners 
the little shadowy communities of the country that you wouldn't think would be easily preyed upon. But property scammers are out in force. So it's more important now than probably ever that you have a good relationship with a realtor, with a real estate broker that can guide you towards the purchase of a lifetime and make sure it doesn't turn into the scam of a lifetime, a Ponzi scheme. It's, it's shocking, shocking how easy it is, by the way, to pretend to be somebody else and you don't even need to take possession. You know, you hear some of these title lock advertisements talking about, you know, um, somebody taking possession of your home or property. No, no, it's simpler than that. All you have to do is convince somebody, an unwitting out of town realtor that's not in your market or in the market with which they're listing a property, for example, that you own it and you're out of state and you want to handle everything electronically, DocuSign, et cetera, et cetera. And pretend that you own the property and dupe somebody into cashing you out, directing monies towards an account. All the while, yes, you've maybe had to pay off somebody to notarize a document or to get some sort of a false ID easily had in this day and age. It's shocking how easy it is and how close to, to this happening to some people that I know that narrowly escaped it. So a point is, again, if you're working with a realtor that's not located in the market with which you're buying, and they're telling you, oh yes, we're listing this property for sale for the homeowner, for the landowner that has families, had a death in the family or so the state, and, and the realtor that is listing the property isn't located in that community, don't walk run, <laughs> run away from it to a local realtor that can give you knowledgeable information and facts on the ground. It may be correct because sometimes people do work outside their, their market, even though it's outside their area of expertise, they do it sometimes, realtors. But you as a buyer, as an investor, you want to be working with somebody that's on the ground where you're buying. Like I said, they're back talking about foreign investments. And what if you own a home in Seattle and what's in your library? That and more when we return here to the Backyard Millionaires. Stick around. You're listening to The Backyard Millionaire, how to create wealth where you are with what you've got. I'm Chris Story. Remember, you can text me your questions anytime, day or night, or find me on WhatsApp. That's right, I broke down and joined WhatsApp. 299-7653, area code 907-299-7653. Any real estate questions you've got, investment questions, or mindset if you've got any question on purpose or otherwise, you text me at your convenience or find me on WhatsApp. You can always go to my website, ilovehomeralaska.com. They're back. That's right. Foreign buyers, according to the Wall Street Journal, nearly disappeared during the COVID era. Well, they have returned in mass and are buying up America. Your market, though, where you are, is yours to lose. So this is my admonition, it's not xenophobic. I'm saying your market is yours to lose. 
we're always going to have foreign money coming to our shore, always. Remember the 1980s? Japanese were buying everything. Well, the last 20 years prior to COVID, the Chinese bought up massive amounts of American real estate. And remember, it's, it's actually the CCP because all they have to do is flip a switch back in Beijing and that property here in America is suddenly that property of the CCP. So in particular, that should be concerning. But not just that. I want you to own your backyard. I want you to own at least four properties in your own backyard. And if you invest in four properties in your backyard, and everybody you know invests in four properties in their own, your own backyard, in their backyard, then great. The balance sheet of America is going to look like it should. And you should own a majority of this great country, period. I firmly believe that. And you have the ability to do it. It's never been easier to get a mortgage, even with the rise in interest rates and a little bit of credit crunching. They're raising the credit back up. That's fine. You can play the credit game to win and get a hold of suitcases of money to invest in real estate. It's still the greatest the greatest and safest investment, which is why there's so much money available to invest in it. Hey, what's in your library? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> really? People know me. Mm. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> As everyone should. Um, <laughs> back in the early 1980s, Jim Rohn, business philosopher, author, amazing speaker, he gave a speech and he said, have you ever noticed that all of the $200,000 homes have libraries? You should too. $200,000 homes. Now remember... 1980, a $200,000 house was pretty spectacular. Home values absolutely have changed. But Jim Rohn's concept remains the exact same. You should have a library in whatever value home you've got. It doesn't matter. But his point was the people that have this kind of wealth to afford a $200,000 home, they value libraries and education. So should you. And that remains true, even though we might be talking about 800, 900, $2.5 million homes. They've all got libraries. You should have a library, even if it starts out with a single shelf, with just a book or two or a handful of books on it. And what's in your library is just as important as where your library. In fact, it's more important what's in your library than what, where it is or how big it is. Even, okay, how about this? Two, between two bookends, Get a couple of bookends on a, uh, a counter somewhere in your house, in the kitchen, or just a, a single shelf. Get some of the Beanie Babies moved aside, create a library right there on that shelf. Mark Twain said, he who does not read is not better off than he who cannot read.
What if inventory's low in your backyard? Can you still become a millionaire in your own backyard if there's nothing for sale? Yes, because remember, inventory is realtor speak, first of all, for available listings, properties for sale. Here's what backyard millionaires know. They know two things very, very well. Dolph DeRusse's formula, 10 that's the formula for finding deals, according to Dolph, and I agree with it. It's 100 homes, kiss 100 frogs. Maybe you don't kiss the 100 frogs, but you're going to look at 100 homes. You're going to get pretty serious and cozy with 10 getting a little bit more close and personal, and then you're going to look very, very closely and maybe even make three offers and get one deal. That's a pretty top-heavy funnel. That's a lot of properties to look at. Yeah, may take you that many. 100, 10, 3, 1. So you're not waiting around for the inventory to burgeon and blow up and have listings and sale signs everywhere. You're just looking because you know this is the second point that backyard millionaires know. You're surrounded by inventory. Look around you. Everything is inventory. Deals are made, rarely found. You can, you can, absolutely, you can stumble upon a deal. A good deal, even, from time to time. And sometimes they stumble upon you. But inventory, some of the best deals I've ever made weren't for sale, openly. So inventory's out there. And here's another thing. If you get in rapport, good relationship and in a good rapport with a real estate broker that you know, like, and trust, there's going to be coming deals to you that aren't even part of the, quote, inventory which is just, again, is NAR, it's realtor speak for you know what's out there currently, what's the lower hanging fruit. You know you're surrounded by inventory, whether it's got a for sale sign on it or not. I don't wanna say everything's for sale. I mean, you know, in some respects, everything is for sale. Hey, do you own a home in Seattle? you do, this is breaking news. Housing prices continued downward on a trend down, particularly in Seattle, according to the Seattle Times. If, this, if you do not own a home in Seattle, then don't worry about it. This article is just informational, period. Doesn't matter to you. See, these types of headlines, though, have a compound effect on the mind. You see enough of them, you can assume your market is crashing. Again, listen to this. This is from the Seattle Times. Housing prices continue downward trending, particularly in Seattle. This is an article about Seattle. Leave it at that. But again, headlines are sexy and they sell papers. They sell clicks. But your world's not falling apart. It really isn't. There's the market and then there's your market, just like there's the economy. And then we have your economy. I'm a student of the economy, but it doesn't keep me up at night. I'm an expert in my economy, and so should you be. The value of your portfolio should concern you, absolutely. But it doesn't just mean value. What, what ought to concern you about your own portfolio is your cash flow and property condition, because you can control those two things greatly. There was a guy 
In fact, I wrote about him in the book, The Backyard Millionaire. He's, he's called Oscar. He is Oscar in the book is a character that is an amalgam of a number of people, number of great people to include Chuck Huff, this guy called Oscar, my dad, other people that I've known and met that have done uh, incredibly well in real estate. And, but, but the real life Oscar, who was one of my mentors, said that he was invited by the National Association of Apartment Owners, and Oscar owned about 1,800 apartment units across the Northwest and into Alaska, and he was invited to give a speech in Chicago, and Oscar was a very Lutheran, uh, Ludifisk-eating kind of Norwegian, probably second-generation American, why use two words when a half of a grunt will do kind of guy. And he put off, and he kept putting off going to this association. Finally, he said, Oscar, we really want you to come and speak. You'll inspire a lot of people. He came and he spoke, and here's the entirety of his presentation, according to his, how he interpreted it to Tiffany and I. This is exactly what he said to this group gathered in Chicago from all over the country, the National Association of Apartment Owners, and this applies to everything in life to include single-family dwellings, duplex, triplex, fourplex, on up to a 3,500-unit apartment complex, whatever it is, and or relationships in your life, your job, career, your entrepreneurial efforts, this applies. The singular important speech, and I'm going to, you might be thinking to yourself, Chris, do you have time? Really? In the final waning moments, you have time to share this entire speech from Oscar to this important group? And I do. I do have time. In fact, we could even chit chat a little more and I could still share it in the final two minutes, and here's what it is. This according to Oscar Hochold to the National Association of Apartment Owners in Chicago, all gathered in a ballroom, black tie event, quote, this thing on, quote, give them crap, get crap, end of story, he sat down. <laughs> That's it. So you can control your inventory, your own personal portfolio by controlling the relationships you've got with your tenants, by controlling the condition with which you keep your property and controlling your cash flow. Your economy, your market matters most as you become a backyard millionaire. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. Again, my website is ilovehomeralaska.com. Direct contact to me is at 907-299-7653. 907-299-7653. Okay, let's fire up the BM jet. Wait a minute. BM. Is the science settled on that BM thing? Can we, what happened to the millionaire jet? BM jet, I don't know sort of rolls off the tongue. Thank you for spending this time with me. I'm Chris Story. For all of us here at The Backyard Millionaire, reminding you to look forward in life, learn from your past, but never forget that the good life truly is lived right here in the present. See you next time.